and welcome to another episode of Music and Vibes. I'm your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Well, guys, how are you doing? I really missed you guys last week. Yes, I know, it was only a week, just seven days, but it just seems like it was forever. It just took so long for Wednesday to come. And now Wednesday is here, I get a chance to talk to you, so my week is going great. I um, had a great week. The first part was busy as usual, doctor's appointments, school, etc. You know how that goes to all you people who are parents out there. Yeah, it's a lot. But the thing that I think was the most interesting that I did this week was, okay, don't laugh. Promise? Okay. So the thing that I think I did that was the most exciting this week was watch a reality show on Netflix called Love is Blind. Now, in this show... It was about couples who were supposed to fall in love without ever seeing each other. I think it was like a social experiment. And I think what they wanted to do, the creators of the program or the show, they wanted to see if you could fall in love with someone you never saw before. So I think they just wanted to weigh the DCs like, how much of a role does physical attraction play into individuals falling in love? So in this show, they had like girls in one part of the house or in one house, guys in another house, and their houses are adjoined by these things that they call pods, or like little rooms, so there's a whole bunch of them, so what will happen is like, you go into the pod, you talk to your love interest, and you get to know them, you can take notes, and the great thing about it was that they got to talk to everybody, so it's not like someone picked it for them like they do on Married at First Sight, no, they just got to meet a whole array of people, Guys got to meet a whole array of girls. Girls got to meet a whole array of guys. And what they did pretty much, they went into these rooms. They couldn't see anything. They didn't know what the person looked like. They didn't know their race, their age, nothing about them. All they did was talk. And so they had like notebooks. They write down the things that were important to them, their values, um, their morals, things that really meant a lot to them. They would write it down. And after they wrote it down, they were supposed to rate which guy or girl was the person they can most see themselves with. And then over a course of two weeks, the goal was you talk to the person you're most interested in, you kind of date them from behind the scenes, if that makes any sense. And then after you do that, like at the end of the two weeks, you would propose. Now, you could propose to the person that you wanted to marry sooner or later, but it had to be within that two-week time span. So you would propose to the person, and only after you made the proposal and it was accepted, would you then be allowed to see what they look like? And then after that, the rest of the show had to do with them going on a vacation together, um, moving in together, and then at the end of the month, getting married. Like, seriously, that's what they were doing. And so it was interesting. Let me just say it was interesting to watch. At first, I didn't want to do it. I was like, Dawson, I'd rather watch something else because I like to watch a lot of reality TV, but I also like to watch different kinds. So I'm in the middle of this other show. So I didn't want to watch this, but Dawson is my youngest daughter, and she's the one who, for her, is more important that you do something with her. Like, that's her love language, quality time. So she could watch TV on her own. I could watch TV on my own. And we have so many devices where all of us can watch our own shows. But it means the most to her. And she feels loved when you spend time with her. So I was like, okay, I'll watch the show with you. Because it really meant a lot to her. And it was a great show. I haven't finished it yet because, you know, I do have other things to do. And I had to stop myself from binge watching it. But it's a great show. I didn't get to the end. But I guess the thing that really stuck out to me the most was the fact that 
no matter, um, it was easy for them to find the person that they wanted to date. And even though they didn't see the person, just by conversation and talking, they were able to create a bond and get to know that person. So that was one thing that struck me. It was easy for them to get to know the person, even though they never saw each other, they were still able to have that attraction and connection to an individual and eventually feel like they were ready to marry them. The second thing that I found important is that even though they didn't see these people, the people who had a habit of picking out the wrong kind of guys, they still did it. Yes. So just by hearing their characteristics and stuff that they were like, the people who had a habit of picking the wrong guys still managed to pick the wrong guy, even though they could not see the person. So I found that interesting because I guess it's just like what you are inclined to do or who you are as a person, your characteristics, your behavior. It, even if you can't see something or you're put in a different situation, just based on who you are and your behavior, you will still pick the same type of person. That is why it's important for you to get to know who you are so you can know what you need to change. Because until you change your behavior, you'll still do the same thing. So I found that interesting. And like I said, another thing that I found interesting is that it was easy. The easy part was for them to talk and get to know each other. But the hard part was working on the relationship after the initial meet and greet, per se, after the initial conversation. The hardest part of the program or the show showed that each couple struggled with getting to know the person. They struggled with communication. Just maintaining that relationship was a struggle. And I was just like, okay, so this is no different from anything else because it's easy for us to fall in love with someone and get married. But the hard part is after the love, after the marriage, like maintaining that relationship. So I just found it was interesting to see that whether you see the person or if you don't see the person, they still have some of the same challenges and struggles that we have in our marriages, just like anybody else. So I found that interesting. Okay, I'm not going to tell you anything else about it, partly because I didn't see the rest of the series, and then secondly, because if you want to watch it, you don't want me telling you every little thing that happened, so I'm not going to do that. I refuse to be a spoiler for you, but I'm just saying, if you have some time, I would suggest that you go to Netflix and maybe look up um, the series Love is Blind. Now, I am going to tell you, I am not promoting this for Netflix. They are not paying me to talk about their show. I just watched it and found it to be interesting, so... There you go. So if you want to watch it, feel free. If you don't, that's cool too. But what I do want you to do is um, I have a question. Now, based on what I told you with the social experiment, I guess my question is, what based on what I said, what do you think about the show? And would you ever be willing to do an experiment like this? Now, no, I'm not trying to set anything up like this. I don't, not trying to... <laughs> I don't know anyone who's doing any experiment, but I just find it interesting that so many people want love so bad until they will go through experiences and experiments like this one and like Married at First Sight just to find quote unquote Mr. Right. So I want to hear your thoughts about it. Like, what do you think? If you want, watch one episode and then send me a message on um, Facebook and just let me know what you think about this experiment. Would you ever be willing to do something like this? Like, what are your thoughts? I'm just interested to know what you think about it. So head on over to the Facebook page for Music and Vibes, and that page is called the Music and Vibes Podcast, because I would definitely love to hear from you.
Today on the podcast, I would like to talk about how important it is to be vulnerable with your spouse. And the reason I want to talk about this topic is because so many couples have a very hard time being vulnerable with one another. Now, I know that was a problem for me when I first got married. And if I'm just going to be completely honest with you here, sometimes I still find myself struggling with being vulnerable. I think a lot of it has to do with my childhood and how I grew up. And the way I grew up wasn't bad. I mean, it was pretty much like a lot of kids who were raised in single-parent homes. And you know how that is. It's like my mom was a single parent. And I remember being a little girl around 10 or 11. My mom would always tell me stuff like, Kiana, you got to be strong. She would tell me not to let people see you cry. Like, pretty much it's more like hide your emotions. And she wasn't telling me this because she wanted me to be like some person who was incapable of having emotions or showing them. She was trying to tell me this because she wanted us, my sisters and I, to be able to cope. She understood that life was difficult. Life is hard. And people are going to pick at you. People may tease you. But you have to be able to be able to have that strength within yourself not to let it affect you. And if it does affect you, don't let them ever see you cry because then it'll just make it worse. You just keep it in, cry later, but deal with the problem at hand. So pretty much that's how I was taught. And I get it. I totally do because I think it raised, she helped raise a strong, resilient woman. So I'm thankful to her for that. On the other hand, my grandmother, she also was kind of like my mom. And she would say things like, well, one of her favorite sayings, which I loved, is don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. I think I love this so much because it pretty much says that um, you should be cautious in life. Um, Don't let people know everything that you're doing. Just do what you're going to do, pretty much. So in essence, it's saying don't trust everybody. Do what you're going to do. Have a plan of action. Um, And if things are not going the way you want them to go, you can change it. And I like that because I like to feel like I am in control. I like to know that I can control my destiny. So I used to love that saying, and I still do. And I understand why my grandmother would tell me this, because I guess in her life she had experienced times where people double-crossed her or talked about her or things happened. And so she was just like, Gotta be smart. Don't let this person know what you're doing. Just do what you need to do. Don't tell everyone everything you're thinking about doing or everything that you're going to do because it may not end up well. So I get it. And my grandmother and my mom, they just wanted me and my sisters to be strong and resilient. And I think they succeeded. Um, They understood that life is full of ups and downs and disappointments. And they just wanted my sisters and I to be prepared for it, which we were. I mean, what they taught me did a lot to help me when I had to navigate through the preteen years and the teen years where I went to a school where I was new. It helped me to be more accepting of myself and to be able to think my way out of tough situations because I did not allow my emotions to get the best of me. Yeah, I might feel like crying or I might be upset, but at that moment when I had something to do, I did it. I got it done. Now, this doesn't mean that I didn't cry or get frustrated or have disappointments, or even feel depressed at times, because I did feel all of those emotions, and sometimes I still do feel all of those things, but what I have learned is that I allow myself to feel these feelings, I give myself a few days, I call it to wallow in my own self-pity, and when I say I wallow in my own self-pity, I really do, like if I'm sad about something and frustrated, I just feel that emotion all the way through, I take it through to the end, I give myself some days, I'm like, Kiana, okay, You're going to be sad about this. 
until Friday. So I'll give myself a week to feel any emotion that I need to feel because I feel like it's long enough to like really feel the emotion, really get that emotion, like really know what and why I feel that way. So I give myself that time to have my own little self-pity party. So then after that time's up, I'll give myself this little speech. And it's funny because this is the same speech I gave myself back then when I was a teenager. So the speech goes something like this. And I still give it to myself today. Okay, so here's my speech. I say something like this. I'm like, Kiana, you have got to get up and pull yourself together. And I say something like, this is not the end of the world. You're going to be fine. You're going to survive. This is what you need to do. And then I do what I need to do. So, yeah, that's the speech I gave myself then. That's the speech I give myself now. Okay, back to my story. After giving myself that little speech when I was younger, and even now, I'll usually just wipe my tears away if I'm crying, or I'll stop my pity party, get myself together, and then try again or move on. Now, this type of thinking has given me the grit that I've needed to be successful in my academics, when it comes to finding jobs, when it comes to starting things, doing things. It has helped me not be afraid to try different things. It has helped me not to be afraid to fail because I realized that if I fail, it's not a big deal. I can just learn from it and start over. So if I try something, it doesn't work out. It doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. It just means that, okay, you didn't succeed this time, so what did you do that was the cause of you not succeeding? So then you write down the mistakes you made, and then you try it again, eliminating those mistakes that you made, and instead improve on the good things that you did. So it helped me with a lot, and I have been able to cope with life. So thanks to them, I think I turned out to be a good citizen of society, and I think I turned out to be a very resilient and resourceful individual. However, even though there are pros in this area, that way of thinking did not prepare me for the challenges that I would face in my marriage. Now remember, I did say that I grew up in a single parent home. And therefore, I was, even though it wasn't like an anti-guy kind of sentiment in our home, because it wasn't like that. My mom was just trying to help me learn from her mistakes. But So it wasn't like that. But like deep down inside, there was like an underlying message of not to trust men. And to always make sure that I could take care of myself and my future kids. And that I could do this without the help of a man. And my mom told me this because when I was around 10 years old, my dad just walked out with my mom and my sisters and I. I mean, like one day he was there, the next day he was gone. He didn't stay where he was going or anything. I mean, he just left. So at that time, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She had no way to provide for my sisters and I. And so I think that struggle of trying to survive and provide for us at a time when she had not got finished college, she didn't have a job, any prospects, kind of made her more aware that she needed to teach us we needed to be able to take care of ourselves. And I get that and I'm appreciative to her for that because it has helped me with my life and what I need to do. Now our family did go through a very difficult time for a few years after my dad left. But my mom eventually, she pulled, got herself together. She went back to school. She went to college. She graduated. She became a teacher. And this is why she would tell us these things. Because she wanted us to be able to provide for ourselves. So these are just things that I learned at an early age. 
I also learned that allowing myself to be vulnerable was probably not a good thing and that if I could, I should avoid it at all costs if I did not want to get hurt. I learned that I kind of need to be in charge of my situation or in control because then I can control the narrative of what was happening in my life. So as you can imagine, this made it difficult for me when I got married because being vulnerable was something that I needed to do, but I didn't know how. Learning how to let go of control was something that I needed to do, but I was uncomfortable doing that. So, I mean, I didn't know how to be vulnerable, and it was hard for me, very hard for me, to tear down the emotional walls that had taken so long to build up. To make a long story short, it wasn't until I began to work on myself that I began working on being vulnerable with my husband. But that only happened when I began to get to know myself and understand not only why I was feeling a certain way or why I did the things that I did, but also understand what happened in my life to make me feel this way, act this way, react this way. Now, that is what happened. That's what I did. And so I'm a lot better at being vulnerable. Now, for me, it's not something that comes easily for me. So it's something I work on every single day to continue to be vulnerable, learn new ways to be vulnerable, and just to be vulnerable with my spouse. So the question is, and I know you're asking yourself this, like why is it important to be vulnerable with your spouse? And I know that's a good question because when we think about vulnerability, it's scary. It's scary because you have to wait on someone to accept you. It's scary because the person may not give you the reaction that you want. They may not accept your idea or accept what you say. They could reject it, which is scary all in itself. It's also scary because being vulnerable opens you up to a place where it's possible that you can get hurt. And being hurt is a possibility that comes along with being vulnerable. Now, does that mean you should not be vulnerable? No, it does not. It just means that if you're vulnerable and you happen to get hurt, it does not mean you should stop being vulnerable. It means you should continue to be vulnerable, but learn from what happened and not let that stop you from being vulnerable or trying to find love or whatever. There are so many people out there who no longer believe in love because they've been hurt. Listen, guys, in life, this is life, we are going to get hurt. And I hate to just put it out there like that. We are. It just comes with the territory of living. Like, in life, you are going to fail. But that doesn't mean you should never try to reach your goals and dreams. It never means you should stop living because you're going to fail. No. It means that you fail, you get back up, and you try again. So I feel like the same resilience that you have to have in life, you have to have in love. Does it mean that you're not going to get hurt? Absolutely not. You will probably get hurt. But you don't give up. You just try it again. And you just keep doing it again. Now, I think that there's a difference between doing the same thing over and over again with the same result. That's kind of insanity. But if you fail at something, you learn from it, and you try it again doing something different, then your chances of succeeding are a lot better. So my whole thing is like with being vulnerable, it's important to know that, yeah, there's a possibility you can get hurt, but it doesn't mean that you should not try it because vulnerability is the thing that is going to bring you and your spouse together and it also deepens the intimacy that you two share and it allows you guys to love each other for who you are it allows you to love each other for your faults and everything being vulnerable with your spouse is a must if you want your marriage to be a forever type of marriage so this is why i say sometimes being vulnerable may 
result in your feelings being hurt, but it doesn't mean that you should stop being vulnerable. Now, some of the reasons why couples are not vulnerable with their spouses is because they're afraid to be rejected by their spouses. And we talked about that. So let's say, for example, you are, okay, I'll give you a good example. I'm afraid of dogs, terrified of dogs, don't like animals. Now, when I say I don't like animals, I don't like animals around me. I don't like them near me. I like them from afar, and I don't want them to get hurt. But I also don't want them in my house or any of the animals looking on me and rubbing up against me. No, I'm not an animal fan like that. So let's say, for example, let's say for instance that my husband and I were talking when we were dating, and he wanted animals and I did not. And I said, now this did not happen. This is all hypothetical, but I'm just giving you an example of vulnerability and how sometimes. It can result in rejection. So let's say my husband and I, my future husband and I are talking, and he's like, well, I love animals. I want our kids to love animals. I want a whole house full of dogs. And I'm just like, ooh, I really don't feel comfortable with animals or dogs because I'm afraid of them. So let's say instead of being like understanding, he laughs and say, oh, that's silly. Dogs are just animals. You'll figure it out. You'll get to learn them. So by him diminishing my feelings like that, it would make me feel like, oh, what I had to say wasn't important or it could make me feel stupid or dumb. So it would, like, subconsciously give me a hint, like, okay, Kiana, you can't really tell him your thoughts because he's not going to listen or he's not going to accept them. And that's the response some of us get sometimes when we are being vulnerable with our spouse. Now, does it mean we should shut down and not talk about it? No, it does not. It does not mean you should stop being vulnerable. If anything, you should continue to be vulnerable with that person. Let them know that um, you really are afraid of animals and how them laughing or whatever made you feel and move forward. That's what you should do. But it doesn't mean you should shut down and not be vulnerable. So many couples are so afraid with being vulnerable that they mask their feelings, they avoid their feelings, they hide their feelings, and they spend their lifetime doing this because they're afraid to be vulnerable now don't believe the myth that once you are married that you can't keep secrets from your spouse because let me tell you you can it is not hard to mask and hide your emotions from your spouse if you have a lifetime of practicing how to hide mask and avoid your feelings so this is why so many couples waste time dealing with superficial issues instead of dealing with the real issues and having those real conversations that they need to have. This happens because they are afraid to be vulnerable because vulnerability means that they are now open to rejection. They're open to, but then they're also open to be accepted. Being vulnerable is a scary place to be because you're letting someone get to know you. You're letting them get to know your emotions and your feelings and how you feel. So this is why sometimes being vulnerable is a scary thing to do because you don't know what the reaction is. But it's also something that you must do in your marriage if you want to be successful in your marriage and have that bonded connection that you need to have. Now, I know it's hard to open up about your feelings because you could be judged. You're opening yourself up to be judged. You're opening yourself up to be dismissed or diminished. But if this is the case, and if you felt this way, or let's put it like this, if you have done this to your spouse, then we have to do a better job at making our homes a safe place for vulnerability. Now, by doing this, we're not only encouraging our spouse to be vulnerable, 
but we are teaching our children that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel your feelings so that, that when they get older, they will not have these problems in their marriages and they can be emotionally healthy and stable. Now, this is the question of the day. I know I've asked it myself and people have asked me this question. How do we encourage and foster an atmosphere of vulnerability in our homes? Well, glad you asked. Here are some easy ways that you can foster vulnerability in your home with your spouse and make yourself and make your home a safe place for vulnerability. The first thing is be fully present. What does that mean? Okay, so here we go. Being fully present means that you are enjoying your spouse in that moment. You are not playing on your phone. You're not watching television. You're not playing on your computer. You're not thinking of other things to do. Like, you are fully there. They have your full attention. They have your mind. They have your attention. They have your focus. You are focusing on them in that moment. And why is it important to be fully present? Well, it's important to be fully present because this is a time where you have someone's undivided attention. This lets the person know, you know what? I am important to them. They think I'm important. They care about me. They value me. And what I have to say is important. So when people feel like you value them and appreciate them and that what they have to say is important, they're going to talk to you on a much deeper level. Think about it. I've had conversations with my kids where I was on my phone, either I was playing a word game or I was doing something else. I could have, or it could have been a time when I was thinking about my business or what I'm trying to do. I could be cooking, cleaning, whatever. And my kids are trying to talk to me about their day at school. I'm there, but I'm not there because I'm doing so many other things. So during these times, my kids would get mad. Mom, you're not listening. And of course, I can say I am listening, but no, I wasn't. And this is how your spouse feels. When they want to tell you something, be there. Listen. I've noticed that my kids have told me deeper things about themselves, and we had a better connection. And they told me, like, more things about what happened to them at school when I was fully there and I was fully present, and I actually was listening to them. They told me so many things about their friends. We had a good conversation, which I think is important. So... This also not just happens with kids or people and family members. It happens with your spouse. When you give him or her that undivided attention, your undivided, your undivided focus, you are listening to them, just them. You're not listening to anything else. Nothing else is on your radar, social media, none of that. It's just them. You will have some of the deepest and most effective conversations you've had in your life. You'll be able to discuss things you never thought you could possibly discuss with this person. You'll be able to share things about yourself that you thought you could never share with them. And they will be able to share with you things they thought that you can, that they could never share with you. Just by being fully present. That's why it's important. Another thing that's important is to let your spouse speak without interrupting them. Now, I know this was a hard thing for me. Now, I hate to say this, but I'm, in, I'm an interrupter sometimes. And I know this about myself, so I catch myself doing it and I stop. Now, I'm not interrupting because I'm a jerk and I don't think what you have to say is important. It's just like, in my mind, everything is going at 100 miles per hour. So it's like I'm talking about this, this, that, whatever. And everything's just moving right along. And when people are speaking, it's like they're talking to you. But while they're talking to me, I already have a response to what I'm going to say. So before they can even finish, I just jump in and say what I had to say. And 
one day my husband was like, Kiana, I would tell you, he just stopped talking. I was like, well, hey, what's wrong? He's like, well, it's hard to talk to you because you keep finishing my sentences and interrupting me. And I thought about that. I was like, wow, that's true. He's right about that. So I've noticed that once I stopped doing that, he was able to really tell me what he was thinking without any interruption, without anything. Now, sometimes it's one of those things where I pause so long. He's like, hey, are you listening? But I am, and I have to explain. I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. I just wanted to listen to what you had to say. So don't interrupt them because when you interrupt someone, you're telling them, oh, what you have to say is not as important or I'm in a rush, so hurry up. I don't have time to listen to you. You're letting them know that you don't have time for them, which may not be true because it wasn't true in my case, but that is what you are sending. That's the message you're giving them by your actions. That's the message you're giving them is that you don't have time for them. So make it a habit, make it a point to stop interrupting your spouse and let them speak without interruption. Now, if you're like me and you just have a hard time doing that, now that you know you do it, stop it and let them speak without you interrupting them or adding any of your two cents. And then once they're done and you've actually listened to them and you know what they're feeling, then you can respond appropriately. Another good thing that we can do to foster vulnerability is to ask the right questions. Don't make assumptions. Now, I know we ask questions. I ask questions all the time. I'm like a questioner. I ask questions about everything. But I noticed that I did not always ask the right question. Like, for example, there were times when my husband was quiet, and I would say something like, why are you so quiet? Are you mad about something? See what I just did? I asked the question, why are you so quiet? And then I assumed that because he wasn't talking, he was mad, which was not the case. There were times he just had a bad day, or there were times where my husband and I, we are different. I'm a talker, so I'll talk whether I'm happy, sad, mad. There's no guessing how Keanu feels. You know because I would just tell you. And you don't even have to ask for it. I will tell you how I'm feeling unsolicited. But with him, it's different. He's more of a thinker. He'll tell you how he feels, but he does it like in a roundabout way. So if you don't ask the right questions, you can totally miss the message that he's trying to tell you and because he doesn't just always come out and say it. And you can assume something that is not true. So it wasn't until I would ask the right questions. So instead of asking, why are you so quiet? I would say something like, are you okay? What's going on? Is there anything I can do to help? See, because if I ask, are you okay? Then he can say yes or no and explain to me. If he's not okay, he can explain to me why he's not okay. If he is okay, he can just say yes. But by doing that, I'm finding out what the real issue is. I'm not just assuming that he's mad and he don't want to talk to me. Or that he's just being a jerk and doesn't want to talk. So ask the right questions and please do not assume. Because most of the time, our assumptions are wrong. So it's important to ask the right questions and don't assume. And that is a good example of asking the right question and not just making assumptions. Another thing is recognize patterns and work with them. So... In my marriage, there were times my husband would just go silent, and I couldn't figure out why. And I'm just like, what's wrong with him? Why is he upset? Why is he this? What, like what I said earlier. But he had to explain to me that when I'm not talking, it's not that I'm upset. I'm dealing with something, and I can't exactly verbalize it yet until I have a chance to process it. Then I could tell you what's going on. So it wasn't until he explained that that I began, oh, let's throw in, and after many years of marriage, that I began to understand that, him not talking did not mean he did not want to talk to me. It just meant that, okay, 
he had a hard day or he's dealing with something, he needs to process it, he'll talk to me about it later. Because he always did. So now when he just goes silent sometime, I leave him alone because I know he's processing something and he'll talk to me about it later. So I recognize that pattern of behavior. And instead of like trying to throw Kiana into it and throw how Kiana thinks he should deal with it, I let him work with it however he is, however he needs to deal with it, and then afterwards we can talk about it. So recognize patterns and then work with them. Now, all of these things can help you begin the process of creating an environment where vulnerability is encouraged and accepted by being fully present, by letting your spouse speak without interrupting them, by asking the right questions and not making assumptions, and by recognizing patterns and working with them, you are creating a home and an atmosphere where vulnerability is accepted. And that is what we need to do because vulnerability is important to our marriages, it's important to us, to us and to us getting closer together. Being vulnerable is the core of every relationship and it's something we need to do and it's something that we need to learn how to do so guys i encourage you this week to work on being vulnerable with your spouse and i know it's a lot to take in even though it's just four things to do those four things can be a lot so if you just want to start with one of the things that you think you need to work on the most by all means go ahead start with that one thing that you need to work on the most and then do that one thing Alright, so the song we're going to listen to today is called Crying For You. And it's about a woman who was vulnerable and she got her heart broken. But she realizes that she has to still continue to be vulnerable. So here's the song, Crying For You. It was love at first sight when I looked in.
Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank Anique Music for their continued support of Music and Vibes. Anique Music is the publishing company that represents all of the music heard here on the show. So thank you so much, Anique Music, for your sponsorship and for your continued support. Guys, I also want to tell you thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome. You're the best listeners ever. And I just want to let you know that I really appreciate you guys. I love the way you guys listen to the podcast. And I love hanging out with you and spending time with you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me every week. Just thank you for listening. Because without you, this show would not even be possible. I also want to thank you guys for sharing the podcast with a friend, and I want to encourage you this week, if this helped you in some way, then please share this podcast episode with a friend. I also want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Now, we are going to be doing a lot of things. Season 4 is going to be starting up really soon, and what I want us to do in Season 4 is to probably do some, like, online or maybe some YouTube live versions of the podcast. There are going to be some Facebook versions, um, Instagram versions. We're going to be doing a lot of things. There may be a time where I just feel like I'm going to surprise you and just drop a podcast out there for you guys to listen to, you know, a surprise podcast. There we, I want to do a lot of things in season four. We're going to have a new website. There's a lot going on. But in order for you to be like kept up to date with everything that's happening, I need you to subscribe to the podcast. So what I'm going to do is to make it easy for you, I'm going to put a link to the podcast. I'm going to put a link to subscribe to the podcast in the show notes. So hopefully I don't forget. I'm not sure if I remember it last week or not. But anyway, I plan to put a link to subscribe to the podcast. So just click on that link and you should be able to go to the page, subscribe to the podcast, and it just makes it easier for you and it's a win-win. You subscribe, you get all the things and all the information about the podcast and you won't have to wait until I post it anywhere else because you will get it first because it will come up in your feed. So go and subscribe to the podcast. Now I do want to take some time just to tell you a little bit about what I want to do for season four. Um... For season four, I do plan a lot of new exciting things. We will have a new website. I'm trying to update it, and it's exciting. I'm excited, so you have to check that out. Not today, but when I update it, I want you to check it out. I'll let you know, though. Uh, We have a live podcast that will be going on YouTube every single week. I'm starting my own YouTube channel, so you guys can just go watch it there. I know some people are more visual, some people listen. So however it is you want to consume the podcast, whether you want to watch it on YouTube or whether you like to listen to it in your car, I just want those options to be available to you so that you can listen to it the way that's easier for you. I also have a lot of changes that we're going to do, so I'm really excited. I'm not going to tell you everything. I have to figure out the details, but believe me, once I figure out the details and tell you about it, you'll be just as excited about it as I am. This week, the song that we listened to actually has a music video, which is on YouTube. So I'm going to put that link to the music video in the show notes in case you'd like to go and watch the music video. All right. I think that was all. Yeah, but a lot of things we wanted to talk about before I ended the podcast this week. But I think that's all. So if you have any questions that you have for me or if you want to contact with me or connect with me, the best way to do that is still to go to Facebook or you can just send me an email at Anique 
or at music and vibes at outlook.com. And I will put that for you also in the show notes so that you can just send me an email if you like. All right, that's all. Guys, thank you for hanging out with me. I had so much fun and I will talk to you later. All right, bye-bye and have a great day and a wonderful week. Bye. I need you. I need you.